Hey everybody, uh, Mark the Idiot here with episode 10 of the Idiot Speaketh podcast. Thanks again for listening. Uh, the podcast has now passed the 300 listens milestone and I couldn't be happier. Uh, it's hard to believe it's been 10 episodes already. Uh, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? Now, if I had my way, I'd probably post new episodes every day. But uh, my wife let it be known that she was getting lots of tell him to slow the heck down, I can't get caught up type comments from her gang at work. So to appease the nice torch-carrying lady mob at the wife's work, I'll try to stick to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule, at least for now. Um, a special shout out to listener Jaina in Callisburg, Texas, a proud member of that aforementioned female mob, and a very special high five to her young grandson, age three, who apparently is already enough of a fan that after listening to the heat crazed squirrel story in the car with Grandma Jaina, started yelling, he's going for your nuts! Thanks for listening, little man. Whether you're three or you're 93, there is truly something for everyone on this podcast. Note to self, get the swag department to make up some he's going for your nuts t-shirts and mugs. And have some shirts made in youth sizes, uh, like in small enough for a, oh, a three-year-old or so. Alrighty then, uh, I'm flying out to Oregon bright and early tomorrow morning which uh, should result in some something worthy of posting in a future episode because I have a real talent in uh, finding myself in some goofy, weird situations whenever I travel alone. I'm literally like an unsupervised toddler shuffling around the terminal just looking for trouble. So I'm eager to see what kind of adventure I get myself into tomorrow. Uh, my wife has bail money and divorce papers standing by on the ready, just in case. However, I first need to actually survive until tomorrow morning. For me, uh, being an idiot sometimes means that the goofiest situations can just sneak up on me at any time without notice. Take yesterday evening, for example. I almost experienced a Michael Scott from The Office type moment. You rec might remember that Michael once burned his foot after stepping on a George Foreman grill. Well, last night, I almost experienced a tragic death by meatloaf. With the wife driving home from work, uh, I found myself in the kitchen, trying to cook dinner, while also making our kitchen quickly look like a bloody crime scene worthy of a CSI episode. I had planned on making a meatloaf. I grabbed a ceramic meatloaf pan out of a cupboard, and then I proceeded to drop it. Maybe grabbing it with my numb hand was not a wise idea, but remember, I'm an idiot. The ceramic pan does a double uh, backflip with a half a twist, then it hits the floor and shatters into about 3,000 pieces. A few expletives are screamed. I gingerly step over the debris field and I go into the utility room to get a broom and dustpan so I can clean up my mess. Did I mention I'm barefoot? Well, I was. In fact, for those that know me, I'm always barefoot at home. It's part of my West Coast surfer dude DNA. Anyway, 
I start sweeping up the debris, and I also use my grabber to pick up the largest shards off the floor. And then I notice a bloody smear on the floor. I back up a few steps and then notice more bloody smears. It takes about a minute for my idiot brain to register the fact that I am now leaving bloody footprints everywhere I step. Apparently, idiot barefoot me has decided to step on a shard and I'm now painting the floor red with every step. Good grief. I lean up against the counter. I just managed to lift my foot high enough to where I can run my hand beneath it. And sure enough, I find and pull out a ceramic shard the size of a slice of pizza that I had stepped on without realizing it. I hold pressure with a paper towel. and I eventually get the bleeding to stop. But now I have to clean up the murder scene before the wife gets home and calls the police. So, I go out to the garage and I get the Swiffer wet mop. I start Swiffering. Easy enough. I'm pressing the little button. The thing is humming. Water is shooting out like it's supposed to. But now I'm just smearing blood everywhere, all over the floor. It's not cleaning up. Then, again, my idiot brain notices that my Swiffer wet mop thingy does not appear to have an actual pad thingy attached to the end. I am Swiffering with just the flat plastic base. No pad. And I'm smearing blood everywhere. Someone shoot me, please. At this point, I call the wife. I relate this trauma to her, expecting to get some tender sympathy for my cut foot, but her hysterical laughing was so loud, I was sure she was going to be involved in a car accident while I still had her on the phone. It all started out as a simple attempt to make a dang meatloaf, and it nearly resulted in me bleeding out on the kitchen floor. But again, nothing is simple in my idiot world. Who knows? Maybe I need one of those uh, custom-made life alert devices constructed just for me. Help! I've cut my foot while making meatloaf and I can't get up! Hold on, sir. Help is on the way. Well, anyway, I'm fine. Thank you all for your thoughts and prayers. So, moving on. Uh, I'm going to dive back into the medical nightmare saga that began my journey to where I am today. No worries, though. The gross stuff is over. No more gross stuff, for the most part. Now we just get into the beginning of seemingly endless twists, turns, and bombshells. When I last checked in, uh, to recap, I had reached the three-week point since my back surgery, and I was still living with an official diagnosis of normal post-surgical numbness. That continued to have me basically paralyzed from the waist down and which had totally shut off my normal bowel and bladder function. Now, upon the recommendation of my home health nurse, I had contacted the surgeon's office, told them I was not getting better, and had basically demanded to see the doctor. They called back later. They told me to rush back to the hospital and said I would be having emergency surgery to finally find out why the heck I was not getting any better. So it was back to the hospital. I'm back. 
I was admitted to a room, and I signed consent forms for emergency exploratory wound surgery. Doesn't that sound sexy? The surgeon came in later, and I described in full graphic detail all the issues I was still having. And of course, he should have been fully aware of all those details since the home health nurse had been sending in detailed reports every day on me. But anyway, he did a full series of neurological tests on my lower body while I lay there, did another rectal exam, and then informed me that he was confident I did not have a clot on my spine because we know thumping your legs to test reflexes and doing a rectal exam will absolutely you know, determine whether you have a, a blood clot on your spine. But anyway, uh, he said my condition would continue to slowly improve. No surgery was done. I was right back to square one. Normal post-surgical numbness that would improve over time. Now, my family and I were shocked. Uh, my wife and my mother had both taken me back to the hospital and were there in the room with me while he was checking me out. Uh, we had all hoped that an exploratory surgery would at least discover some unseen problem that could then be removed or fixed, and that I would quickly be on the road to normal recovery after that. But again, that surgery never happened. Now, the doctor said I'd stay in the hospital for, quote, a few days, and that I would have a few tests done. One would be that CT myelogram that had not been done during my initial hospitalization, and that they would also do a Doppler ultrasound on my swollen legs to determine if I had any blood clots. Now, I hate to quit repeating this, but this is supposedly normal post-surgical numbness that will improve. And it's been three weeks. After a couple days in the hospital and being off that certain medication, I had that CT myelogram. That was one of the most painful experiences I've ever had in my life, even with being virtually numb from the waist down. After that myelogram, a technician came into my room and did the Doppler ultrasounds on both legs as I lay there in my bed. Now, as he was moving the Doppler over the area behind my left knee, he paused. He took a picture with the device, moved the wand a little bit farther down, paused again. I heard him take another picture, and then he muttered, uh-oh. He excuses himself and gets up and leaves the room. His equipment was still parked right there at my bed. Now, I don't think it's a good sign when the Doppler technician looking for blood clots pauses and says, uh-oh. He came back in a while later. He said he had gone and personally talked to the radiologist that was on duty. Then, of course, he tells me he's only a technician and is not permitted to discuss what he may or may not have seen in the examination, that that information would be relayed from the radiologist to the surgeon, and then the surgeon would have to let me know the results. Oh, wonderful. I knew exactly what was going on. I had a blood clot in my leg. Uh, I told the nurse that was taking care of me that, uh, that day exactly everything that had occurred and about the ominous uh-oh, and she agreed. Sure sounded like a blood clot to her. So, I laid there in the bed, trying to stay as still as a rock, 
waiting for the doctor to come in and give me the news that I had a blood clot. I knew it. I knew all about DVTs from my time as a nurse. They are extremely dangerous and they can kill you quicker than a heart attack. Uh, a large clot in the back of my knee would be an especially dangerous proposition because any movement of my legs could dislodge that clot, send it to my lungs, and as I said, could quickly kill me. Uh, DVTs are scary. You do not want a DVT, especially in your legs. Well, let's just say that uh, no doctor came in the rest of that day. I literally laid there petrified all day long waiting for confirmation of the clot. It never came. So, by the evening, I started to relax a bit. Maybe it wasn't a clot after all. Maybe the technician just thought he had seen a clot, but the radiologist had determined it was not. So, no news is good news, right? Well, the next morning, the nurse comes in and starts putting anti-embolism stockings on my legs for the first time since that first few days after my surgery. Remember back when I peed on my stockings and they took them off and then never replaced them? Well, now the stockings are being put back on me. She explains that these are being put on me because the doctor had written in my chart that I had a large DVT blood clot behind my left knee. Now, I did have a blood clot, and he had written this into my chart. But, he wrote that in my chart the previous afternoon after talking to the radiologist. You know, the previous day when I was laying there like a rock all day waiting for word, he had written it in my chart then. But neither he or anyone for that matter, no nurse, no other doctor, nobody had bothered to come in and tell me, the patient. I mean, can you believe this crap? Now it was a good 24 hours after that clot was found before those stockings were being put on me and then I was started on IV heparin, a blood thinner, to try to treat the clot. Unfreaking believable, right? It got better. And of course, that's sarcasm when I say things get better. Trust me, when I say things get better, they don't. That myelogram showed no blood clot on my spine, you know, just like he had predicted when he did his little in-bed exam. And uh, the... Surgeon then made an entry into my chart that I'd, I did not know about until I got a hold of my chart months later. Now, whereas he told me in person that the myelogram was negative with no sign of a blood clot on my spine or anything like that, he wrote in my chart, quote, I explained to patient that I thought his problems were due to severe neuroplasia of the cauda and sacral nerve roots and that there was a chance that his deficits are permanent. WTF! Excuse me? Did he just write the word permanent in my chart? Permanent? Obviously, that was freaking news to me. I still had normal post-surgical numbness that would improve, remember? Let me say this. This quack never said anything about any chance of permanent anything to me on the day he wrote that in my chart. 
As I said, my wife and mother were both there in my room when he visited, and the word permanent would stand out in their memories of that conversation, along with mine, obviously. Most telling, the nurse's notes for that day. The nurse on duty had documented that the doctor had visited, I was, I was resting comfortably with family in the room, and that no distress was noted. Now, don't you imagine that a person who has spent three weeks with a condition that will supposedly get better with a full recovery, only to now be told that he has a chance of permanent damage, might be a little bit upset or distressed? Well, as the nurse noted, I was resting comfortably and obviously didn't voice any distress or concerns to her. Why? Because he never told me any of that crap that he was putting in my chart. He never used the word permanent on when discussing all of my issues. That would have set off fireworks in my brain. Trust me. Uh, I, I discovered there was the absolute lies that he was putting in my chart versus the reality of what I was going through and even the reality of what the nurses were seeing docu and documenting. It's almost like the doctor forgot that he wasn't the only one putting stuff into my chart. The nurses are required to put stuff in your chart periodically throughout the day. And their, what they were seeing didn't quite jibe with what he was documenting. Well, remember that exploratory surgery that wasn't done? You know, because it wasn't, it wasn't needed because his in-bed exam determined that I didn't have a blood clot or anything. Well, there was an interesting wrinkle on that front as well. It turns out the surgeon had documented in my chart that he had, quote, offered me an exploratory surgery, but that I had declined. You got that? He offered me an exploratory surgery to find out what the hell's wrong with me, but I declined. How many spinal surgeons offer an emergency surgery after things go wrong? I really want you to picture this scenario he's describing in my medical chart. A neurosurgeon does a spinal surgery. The patient, me, awakens with a multitude of apparent neurological issues that are obviously not the normal result of that particular spinal surgery. The patient, me, does not improve. The spinal surgeon knows something is wrong and that everything is not right with the patient. The surgeon then expects to believe that he then approached me with something to the effect of, if you'd like, I can go back in and see if I can find the problem and can hopefully fix it. But hey, it's all up to you. And then in this alternate universe of logic, I then say, nah, that's okay. I don't want the surgery. I just want to stay like this. There was another kicker. This emergency surgery that I supposedly declined was in my chart from my first stay in the hospital. It was written into my chart on my last day in the hospital before I was sent home to home health care from that initial visit. I tell you, I can't write this crap. If this was a novel, no one would believe it. But again, 
we had no clue about all this crap that he was documenting in my chart until months later when I actually got a hold of my chart. And again, I couldn't make this crap up if I tried. Uh, the real hero of the story is the guy who managed to get a hold of my chart and all my medical records. And uh, you, you'll meet him later on in the story. And But of course, it would be so easy if that's where the story ended. But it's so far from over. I'm laying there with a blood clot in my leg, now nearing a month after surgery, still being told, emphasis being told, I will slowly get better. Until one day, my neurologist, remember him? The neurologist. He comes trotting in and drops a bombshell. What is really wrong with me has a name. And it's a rare disease. Underscore disease. A disease that few people have ever heard of. To be continued. I hate to leave it there for today, but my blood pressure is now going up a bit, and I need to go calm down and try to paint for a little bit. Um, I haven't gone into most of these details for going on 20 years now, so uh, obviously they're dredging up a little bit of pent-up anger, which I assume is to be expected. Um, I'll calm down, regroup, and we'll continue on in a later episode. And uh, just think, I haven't even got to the part in my saga in which the M word, murder, pops up. <laughs> That's still a ways down the road. Uh, so we'll end it there for today. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, I'll talk to you soon from the great Pacific Northwest. Uh, this is Mark, and the idiot has spoketh. <laughs>